Welcome to Mentors and Mavens, Up Close and Personal. I'm your host, Jane Ulrich. Each week, we will bring you amazing guests who have great stories, whether it be in life or business. Real, authentic conversations bringing value through mentoring, making connections, ideas for collaborations, full of inspiration, and taking life to the next level. I'm looking forward to you joining us. Talk about being authentic. There is no holding back here. My guest is the incredible Lisa Dixon, who owns Black Honey Bakery and Coffee House for the last 15 years in Peterborough, Ontario. If you have never been and you are in the area, Black Honey is a place to enjoy and experience. Our lives have crisscrossed over the years and most recently serving on the campfires and cocktails event supporting the Canadian Canoe Museum. From being on this committee with Lisa, I knew I wanted to know more about her, and here we are. Lisa shares about growing up in a biracial family, going to university for seven years. She also talks very candidly about mental health and how it has affected her life and that of her family. And to top it all off, trying to run a business with 22 staff when the tap is turned off when COVID hit. You will learn so much from Lisa, and I could have talked to her for hours. We just may have to have a part two someday. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Jane. I'm good. Thanks for having me join you. This is nice. Thank you. I'm so glad you could join us. And I, <laughs> yeah, I had you on my list because um, back, I'm a woman. <laughs> sorry, I'm a woman, <laughs> a woman, and we've known each other for a long time. Actually, our kids played hockey together way back. I think uh, Nathan and I'm thinking, I think, yeah, it was Nathan for sure. I'm thinking it's Devin, but I'm not sure. It was Devin. Yeah. And uh, we had a lot of good times back then and you were doing your business with Black Honey and it was, I remember Uh being smaller then. And then we reconnected again, well, over the years at different events and, and, uh, you did women my- in business. Women in business. Uh-huh. And also uh, you did my cousin's wedding, which was totally awesome, which I remember that was the time. And that, that was eight years ago. So uh-huh. I remember that was the time that <laughs> I realized, wow, she does way more than desserts and she's really, really good. And I we thoroughly enjoyed that. So I just wanted to pass that along and I know you've done it good but yes I love catering it's my favorite part I love it not just weddings but I do especially love weddings yeah and you're missing it right now because of COVID yeah Yeah, I we should have had six weddings by now six summer weddings none nothing no wedding cakes no catering not meeting with brides not getting the rentals ordering you know the chicken and the beef and the farmers, you know, 20 pounds of green beans, 40 pounds of potatoes, none of that. It's really sad. It is sad. Yeah. Stuff on the poor kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we reconnected, just to go a little bit further, then we reconnected on our fundraiser that we did for Campfires and Cocktails for yep. the Canadian Canoe Museum. Yep. And that was fun. That, that was, was a, that was so yeah. much fun. Yeah, we should have done it this year, but we couldn't. 
We couldn't, but we will do it next year. And you did an amazing job. The food was off the charts. It was good. And it'll be good again. It'll happen again. Just not soon. No, but we will no. do that. It was, and yeah. we will, we will rock it again for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good fundraiser. Well, are you ready to go on this? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. So Claude, obviously is up close and personal mentors in Maven. So where did you grow up, Lisa? I grew up in a few cities, mainly because my dad is an Anglican minister and moved a lot. So we moved 16 to 18 times before my 20s. But my first city was Ottawa. Then after that, a uh, small town near Quebec called Bank Lake Hill. And then um, Detroit. And then after that, most of my years was London, Ontario. Many, many years in London. And now, where do you live? I live here in Peterborough, and I've been here um, now for, gosh, almost 18 years. Wow. Yeah, 18, 18 years. We moved here the day of the flood. So when was that? 16, oh, 18, 2014. Years. I think it was yeah. 2014. I'll never forget oh, that day. That was yeah. crazy. Like, we didn't know it. We bought a house. The closing date was the flood. Actually, it was in 2014. It was 2004. Four. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, yeah, fifth. Uh, 16 17 years yeah so yeah yeah um and we love peterborough we fell in love with peterborough years ago my mom moved here um and then my brother Bo moved here and we kept visiting and it is a great city it's you know it was a little bit of a small town we're more city people so and it has the city feel to it peterborough doesn't peterborough old school peterborough doesn't think that they're a city but they are mm. so yeah we we moved dragged the kids here and and here we are. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite quote or mantra? You know, I, I, um, I've been saying it since I was little, and I think I got it from my dad. Life is what you make it. Mm, it yeah. So basically, you know, it's kind of like you could get it more academic and say you're an architect of your own life, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's just basically... I think I got, it made more sense when you were a kid. Life is what you make it. If you made it happen, it's because you did it. <laughs> you did it. That's right. By Nobody else happen. told you to. Nope. Nobody else made you do it. Don't give me that. Oh, well, you know, you know, don't blame someone else. Well, you did it. You made it happen. So, that's right. That's my favorite. That's a good one. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. So next question. So most people have a bucket list. Mm -hmm. what is the one thing so what's on your bucket list and then right. what is the one thing that's went to your chuck it list chuck it list yeah so i don't have a bucket list uh i don't i didn't see the movie i don't believe in bucket lists i know that's that's really a, quite a downer i do believe in goals so mm -hmm. i guess that's similar but i understand that a bucket list is more something that is far from a goal and it's more like before I die, I want to do like jump from a plane. I don't want to do any of those things. You know, I don't want to, I'd love to climb a mountain, but I have, you know, they're just smaller mountains. Like my goals are very in a smaller bubble and they're more personal. Um, and those goals I do with reason. Um, I don't, um, expect a lot of myself. I don't expect a lot of people that I love around me. 
I just have certain simple rules and I hope that they are met. And then my goals, maybe I'm ambitious. I think being a business person, I am. And those, that's me, that's the goals. But no, nothing, no bucket list, nothing. Like I don't, I don't want to, if somebody says, do you want to go skiing and I have time, I'll go skiing. Somebody says, do you want to learn how to be a butcher? And I have time, I will learn how to be a butcher. But I don't push, or maybe I have a different idea of what a bucket list is, but I don't have any bucket lists. Chuck it. I, you know, I don't even have one of those because I'm pretty happy of what I've done at the age of 51. I think I've accomplished a lot. Um, I wanted to have kids. I had kids. Um, I wasn't looking for a life partner. I always thought I wouldn't get married, you know, and settle down, mm -hmm. but I wanted kids. I did settle down. I've been 30 years married. So maybe I just, maybe I'm more of that person that likes things to come as long as I keep real and true to myself and let things come to me. Maybe um, that's it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to push myself or if I don't ever get anything done, I will be upset. <laughs> you know, becoming a mother, I just remembered this becoming a mother. And I thought, no, I don't need to, I don't need to do some of these things because they need to keep their mother around. And I thought you'd mentioned about the skiing and I, I remember, do I want to go down to black diamond? No, I don't need, no, I don't need to do that. I don't have time to sit in a hospital in case I break my leg or whatever. Right. Yeah. I told it sounds great. I'd, I'd be the person sipping the wine in the hot tub. It's like, I'll go, I'll ski and then I'll spend the rest of the day sitting up in the chalet or something. Après ski. I like it. Après ski. Yeah. We wanted to put mom's ashes uh, in a place in Ireland. We did that. I mean, that, but that bucket list happened because mom wanted to go to Ireland, then she died. So mm. again, it, it was a series of things. I never wanted to go to Ireland, but mom always said, I want to go to Ireland. She was told she was dying. She didn't make it. Bucket list, baby. We're going to Ireland. So, you know, maybe that was a maybe like I kind of want to go back to visit the place where we put our ashes maybe that's a bucket list mm -hmm. that I mean that would be great to do that but yeah my kids are you know what you're right my kids are my priorities so I'd probably take all the kids so it's I don't know that'd be good I'd like to do that mm -hmm. I like that your mom would have appreciated that too oh my gosh that place where we left our ashes she, I know she loves it. I know she does. It's perfect. Mm. Gorgeous. It's everything about my mom. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful. She's from, like, she's technically from Ireland. Her father immigrated from Ireland. So, and she never made it there. It's, mm. it's one of those things. And she traveled a lot. Mm -hmm. She traveled a lot. But yeah, so, so she's there now. Her ashes are there. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to go visit my mom because it's been six years today I realized that this morning I, I knew it before uh, and uh, wow where did that six years just go from and today it's, yep, it does go like, too fast yeah it goes yeah. fast yeah uh, and, mom, and I'm sure you miss your mom too it's tough yeah especially now because I know she'd be so mad with this COVID thing oh she'd be mad the mask and the oh she would not be happy <laughs> That would be a stressor. That's the one thing I'm 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 grateful for that my mom is not here for this because it would be yeah, a stressor and ex explaining why she'd get it. But oh yeah, totally. All these older people in our lives—they're intelligent. They lived through wars and famines and 
you know, bombings, and then you tell them, oh, you have to wear a mask and stay at home. Oh, not happening. Not happening. No. So if you could travel anywhere in the world for a wellness retreat, mm -hmm. <laughs> where would that be? Well, I mean, I'd love to go to an island like Bali or something. I would love that mm. because it looks so pretty. But I don't know if I want to tra travel. Like it's like three plane rides in two and a half days. I'd also like to go to South Africa. My brother's been there. He lived there. My dad lived there and they just loved it. I think a retreat there would be kind of cool. And I know I would love the food there because it's a mixture of like it's the tip of the bottom of Africa, right? So it's a mixture of all those, uh, like Moroccan and uh, deep African and then um, Ukrainian and German like mixed together. Um, it, so obviously wherever I go, I have to eat a lot. So somewhere like that again, or in like India or Bali or something, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you in the great food. It has to be great food. Yeah, and wine. I think that's why I was thinking South Africa, because the wine there is good. And do some hunting and eat some meat. Is that a retreat? Can you hunt and eat meat at a retreat, or do you have to lay still? No, you can <laughs> do whatever. You know what? Okay, well, there's, there's different things you can do at retreat. Yeah, like a, live in a big canvas tent, and that's what I would want. And yep. Near I water. Think, I think you could. there's different kinds of retreats, and, and it would be good to have a like a bucket list retreat for women where... Yeah, maybe that's, that would be good. Something that women can do as a group, but they wouldn't normally do in their normal life and just something away from and away from mm -hmm. normal everyday chaos and do something, yeah. something that you can chill, but do something out of your comfort zone too. That's what I mean. Yeah, I think the hunting I would like to try and then we bring it to the fire and then there are people showing us how to prepare it. Mm. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, maybe that's mixed up with my book. Maybe I just created a bucket list I want to do. I think it's starting. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Mark wouldn't want to come with me, so it would definitely be a women's retreat thing. I'd do it with one of my girlfriends. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. What is your number one pet peeve? I, I think it's something isn't done with truth. You know when you're chatting with someone and they say, oh... I hate when people do this and then you're out with them a week later and they actually do that. So mm -hmm. it's just not being aware of truth. Um, so I don't mean lying because I lie all the time. So I can't say that's a pet peeve. I lie. I, I white lie. I lie to customer, you know, oh, yeah, it's almost ready or I'm right on that. I'll get that done tonight. It's like, I haven't even started that proposal. I don't even know what she's talking about. I'm going to have to look at my notes, but I mean more um, like live with, your truth and show it, you know, like good example, like what the teachers tell you, be a good example to the other kids in the class. If you can't do that, then um, I'm, I, I just can't be with that person. I cannot. It just, it's uh, just, I can't do it. And I wouldn't say anything to them. I would just probably stop hanging out with them. <laughs> That's what I call bless and release. Yes. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I'm the same way. Very mm -hmm. much the same way. And it's like, okay, that's, that's enough of that. And, yeah. and I don't disown them or anything. I just bless them and release them. And, and yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. 
in the restaurant world, Roland, who owns um, uh, St. Bronis, he once told me a long time ago, he's like, you can fire your customers. So that's maybe a little bit more extreme, but mm -hmm. it, it's true. Like if a customer, you know, if they're not being fair to my staff or they complain too many, like, you know what, maybe coming in here is not really what you want. Maybe you can find it somewhere else. And that's a, and if you say it kindly, that's a blessing release. That's a blessing like, release. Because you're really driving us up the wall and it's upsetting my staff and we just can never seem to please you. So yeah, blessing release. And it, it's a good thing to learn, right? Because you work hard to have a, a business that clients want to come to, but sometimes you just never can please everyone. No, you can't. No. And you just want to have that good relationship with people and no negativity. And you don't yeah. want yeah. that toxicity in your life because it doesn't serve anybody well. And it's not serving the, that customer who is giving that mm -hmm. yeah. toxicity because they don't even realize it. So No. And if you gently explain that to them, sometimes it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's an awareness yeah. piece again, as I always come back to. It's yeah. self-awareness. And, and I think that's something that I really... A, I'm more in tune with over the years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Then it's the lack of self-awareness. I think that's my pet peeve of people. Uh, there's like, I have no other like pet peeves, like fingernails on the chalkboard or, you know, I don't like centipedes, but, mm. but I think a pet peeve is, yeah, the lack of self-awareness, ignorance, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're talking about that a lot these days. <laughs> A lot of that. And we will circle around back to that. Yeah, for sure. Lisa, what is your favorite charity and how important is it to you to give back to your community or cause? So it just recently in the last uh, six years, it's become Canada blood. Uh, before then I was afraid to give blood. I wasn't really interested. And of course I had so many kids that I didn't have time to give blood. But um, six years ago, my husband, um, he got acute myeloid leukemia mm -hmm. and was sent to Princess Margaret and he was dying and they couldn't give him a bone marrow transplant. He was too ill. You know, they had to put him in that room with the vacuum air and, and, you know, we had to gown up, it took about a half an hour to put all the stuff on to go visit him. And when the doctors, the oncologist sat me down and said, he, he can't take the bone marrow. He's too sick. Uh, but we have an idea. <laughs> it's like, oh, great uncle just have an idea mm. and there were five of them on the team and there was also a um, infection disease person on the team because mark had, was so sick he was getting these weird puffy glands and uh, he was really sick and they said we're going to push and pull the chemo through him it will take uh five days the first two days we will do it i it was so many liters of blood and then the next three days, so many liters of blood in that blood would be chemo. And they literally just shoved chemo through his blood system because leukemia, right? It's bone and, and it's a blood. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. And they said, you know, he, he, he probably will die, but we're going to give it a shot. It's something new and we're really excited. And he's young enough that he may live. And he did. Mm -hmm. Um, but every time the nurses, when they put on like four sets of gloves and touched those bags with the chemo blood in it and hung it up, they like 
tons of chemo. They would say like that's the equivalent of 15 to 18 persons donations of blood. And they did that multiple times a day for a week. Wow. If it was Christmas or Easter when Mark was going through this, there is no way they said he would have that blood. Because I don't know if you know this, Christmas and Easter is, is a phenomenon or a time when people don't donate, even if they regularly do because they're busy or they felt, oh, I'm, I'm too drunk, you know, or I had too much turkey. Mm-hmm. So when that one nurse told me that, I thought, when Mark gets out of this, which he will, because he's a fighter, I will do when I'm, and if I can, as much as I can to get people to donate. Now, I don't shove it down people's throat because I do know it's difficult. It's scary. A lot of people can't give blood for a couple of reasons, um, but I can contribute in some way. So Black Honey does a Christmas blood drive, the time of year when it is low. And it's been, I've been doing that every winter, every Christmas since. So that's my favorite. That's kind of my, you know, I, I work hard personally because of my experience with seeing Mark and he walking out of Princess Margaret and he's now cancer free. That's amazing. That is, I remember yeah. him going through it because that was two years after my illness. And I remember I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. It's, but it's he's, he's not, amazing. Yeah. He, he looks great. And he's doing Yeah, My husband actually gave blood for the first time. And he, not that long ago, I think it was a month or two ago. And he thought, why have I not been doing this all along? I know. That same thing. I went and gave blood. And I was like, this is really easy. Now, sometimes my hemoglobin's low. But Mm -hmm. I'm learning now why and what to do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and my kids give. Uh, Not all of them. I have three kids. Two of them do. One does not because of anxiety and issues of just walking in there. There's no way he can do it. And again, that's why I'm careful not to be a fanatic about it. But the other two give like on the dime. Yeah. Well, it's as as their slogan is, it's in you to give. And if I could give, I would. But I have, it's so hard. It's like, and they have Mm -hmm. a hard time getting it out of me in the first place so it's yeah it is what it is so yeah it is what it is but as many as many people can we'll do a link it for the thank uh, you yeah yeah thanks the blood drive for sure so lisa what is your magic dust as in something you shine in and spread to others <laughs> your I, you know what i think it's i think it's my smile i get more comments you know not about my butt not about my hair, you know, or my nice outfit, because I never have a nice outfit on. I will have people say, and it's not, you know, in a derogatory, you know, the way that a dude would say that, you know, you know, in a bar, I want you to smile more often, babe. You know, no, not that. It's you have a beautiful smile. And it's so sincere. I get it often. You do. When I was when I was little, thank you. My mom told me, the best thing to do is smile. Like if you're, if you're stuck or you don't know what's happening next, just keep smiling and it'll get you through. (laughs) She was so right. So it was smile, put your shoulders back, you know, kind of put your, put your bum, stick your bum in and get your stomach in. Like she would always tell me. (laughs) And I was tall for my age and she said, just keep smiling. And, you know, I think the scowling for a young woman for my mom was not, she, she was nervous that I would, you know, she, she worked hard on making me smile and it worked. I smile all the time, all the time. I'm walking my dogs 
five thirty in the morning, and someone's like, "Why are you smiling? Like, what are it you so happy about?" People's day. It does. It makes, I know. It makes a person's day when you smile. Yeah. I, yeah. No. Yeah. It, it's it, it is contagious. It's a magic dust for sure. People love it. <laughs> I'll keep doing it. Keep doing. Yeah, it. I will. I will. So what's the one resource that is helpful for you and you'd like to share with our listeners, whether it be a book or, um, you know, another podcast, you never know what's, yeah, you know, I'm really into podcasts right now. And, and I was so excited to hear that you were doing this. There is one by Alan Alda. I really like, mm -hmm. um, oh shoot. I just forgot the name of it. I'll think of it in a second, but Alan Alda, the great actor from yes. MASH. Oh my gosh, what's the name of it? It's on my phone, so I never look at what it is anymore. Um, and I listen to it religiously. Anyway, he believes his work as an actor, years ago he started this, it's based in New York, helps people in the white collar business learn to be more personable or to work on connecting. It's really about empathy. His whole podcast is about empathy and connecting to another person. So not just fellowship and having a book club. He means serious body language, eye contact, understanding, empathizing with another person, whoever they may be, whether they're in your workplace or not, will make you a better person in the workplace. So he does that with his team and goes into white collar and, and workplaces and, and, and this podcast came out of, from that work. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's just, so he's doing what you're doing. He's connecting with people and, and, and the line, the thread is empathy. Oh, wow. So I, I'm really into that. And he's really helped me because I don't, I'm not the, you know, I, I'm in the throes of always trying to understand other people, being a mom, having adult children. Uh, I have one adult children who has um, schizophrenia. So that is something like always trying to empathize and work with, okay, why is that person working that way? Um, and, and working with customers and he, he, he kind of brings me down and gives me a, he giggles a lot. He has funny, cause he's funny. Do you remember him in MASH? Like, yeah, oh, oh, yes. he was, I loved Very MASH. I loved, yeah. Um, so he's, he's a great guy. He's good. That's kind of my help right now. And then any other resource I have in my life, um, again, with, with, is my, with helping my son is uh, CMHA. And uh, uh, one of his uh, nurses, who is also a social worker and a mental health worker, they kind of, they're my resource just to get through um, day to day with uh, helping my son and, and my kids and my husband helping him. That's a good resource. The nurses, mental health nurses are great. You know, talking about defunding police, it, people are like, why would we get rid of police? It's not that. Um, I understand completely what they mean because if you are having a mental health crisis and the cops are the ones that come to the door, I'm telling you right now from personal experience, that's unfair to the cops. That's oh, unfair sure. to the person with a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. You know, like a health check by two guys in a uniform or a man and a woman or what. So uh, we need to better support and uplift and fund the resource, fund, fund, fund the resource of people who are mental health nurses, caregivers, and combine them with the police, absolutely, because there are police out there that are also mental health workers, but there needs to be more. 
So uh, that's a great resource, but it needs, it needs a lot more support. The government, you know, they need to put more money towards it. Canada, we're very lucky to be here. There is good support and there is awareness and we have the resources to help people with mental health issues. Uh, if you were in a place in some countries that are still developing, it's horrible. So, you know, or 100 years ago, we would institutionalize someone with a disability uh, such as schizophrenia. There just is no way they would be able, allowed to live amongst us. So we're doing much better, but we, we could do more. They are a really good resource, and I know that they've they've done a lot of work, and there's still a lot of work to do. But we are so fortunate to be living in yeah. the country we are living in. Absolutely, those resources, yeah. and it will get better. The yeah, will, it has to. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be baby steps and how we get there. And but mm -hmm. it's I, I commend you for being an advocate for your son because it's, I know it's a, well, I don't know because I'm not in your shoes. That's the other thing. I, I hate, I don't like it when people say I know because you don't know until you've walked in someone's shoes. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, it's a different shoes to walk in. It's definitely hard. I mean, people, even close family members don't get it. Mm -hmm. um, you can't fix uh, a mental illness. It doesn't, you can help improve it, but it doesn't go away. Uh, so there's just a lot of love. I remember um, a police officer when we were really having a hard time and there was a full psychosis, no medication. A police officer really, he still works here in Peterborough. He said to me, Lisa, just keep loving, keep loving him. It was the most beautiful thing. That was a police officer. And I said to him, why do you know all this? Why are you calling me out of the blue? Because he would see, it was when our son was not with us in full psychosis and living on the streets. And he would find him and take him up for a ride and chat with him. And he's like, well, because my wife works for the Canadian Mental Health Association and I've been trained. He took the training uh, through the Peterborough Police. And uh, I know. And he also says he has a brother who has schizophrenia. Uh. And so, yeah, you know, I... I love that guy. I got his, I have his name written here in my office and I, I bow my head to his name every now and then I'll call him and say, dude, thank you. Um, because that was the best advice. N you know, not my family member, not my, I want to say other people that are in my family mm -hmm. have ever said that to me. It took this guy to say, just keep on loving him. And, uh, Bless them. And, you know, so again, I understand why defund the police is important, but there's not a lot of that particular, I you know, want to keep saying his name, but I know that's not fair. There's not a lot of him in the police force. He, he was a very, is a very special person. He went out of his way to do something for another human, knowing that there was a mother out there who was losing her shit, trying to figure out where my, the kid was and if he was well. And uh, yeah, he was great. So I, yeah, he's actually, he's, he's my sparkle. He's my dust. Uh, yeah. That gave me goosebumps. That oh, he's amazing. Goosebumps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear. You know, there are some really great humans out there still. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. So you probably, that will, uh, that'll probably take care of another question, but we'll, yeah. I'll, we'll come back to that as well. So if there's one person that you really want to connect or collaborate with, who would mm -hmm. that be? 
You know, and you know, before we, before you answer that, because you, you know, you're owning black honey and being a chef and everything. I was so impressed with how well you talk highly of your colleagues that own other restaurants and, and, and how you really support each other. So, and you don't look at as, as competition, you look at as supporting each other. And I think so, so many people could learn from that from not having being competitors to being collaborators. Yeah. No, we are. There's no competitiveness. I love Peterborough for that. And that was one of the reasons I decided to open here. The mom and pop concept, like Karma's owns Karma. Gertie, up until a while ago, owned Gertie's. Mm -hmm. Roland, who owns St. Verona's, when you go in, he's probably going to be there. Shannon's going to be at Le Petit Bar. Um, rare brad used to be there now it's tyler you know and his lovely wife jessica like you go in and they're there and they're visible they're you know and they are all talented and working really hard and we all complement each other so if they know that they can't do something or they're not interested in doing something they'll say phone lisa black honey or i'll say you know my favorite restaurant is because it is i'm not going to say it isn't i you know taste of india Shafiq is there. <laughs> you go in and there he is. Well, there he is. There he is. You know, know. And we're all exhausted. So, and we eat not right now because we can't. We try to take out a lot, but we eat out all the time. We just love the food. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of collaboration, I guess you know that I'm probably going to say someone who cooks, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, who do you think I'm going to say? It's someone living. That's wildly out there, correct? Yeah, it's not someone in Peterborough. No. Gordon Ramsay? No, I don't like Gordon Ramsay. See, he's, he's a little he edgy. Me, he's, he's someone to me that if we went out and had a nice dinner, like let's say, and he's, I could just hear, he's just going to talk out of his butthole the whole time anyways, <laughs> but he, he'll be interesting. He's really. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think he'll say something like, and he'll try to be sincere. And then again, a week later, he'll do the opposite. But he seems to me to be that kind of person. But I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't know him personally. But I would love to talking? hang out with Go Martha ahead. Stewart. Oh. I know. I, I just think she's so cool. And I know, like, people make fun of her because, like, she seems really straight with her blonde hair and her, you know. But no, that woman, she knows exactly what she's doing. And she, although to me, I think has become so much of a pop figure, pop figure that we don't think she's sincere. I think she is quite sincere. And I think she's been through a lot and probably wasn't at first, but she, you know what? Her recipes are the best. If you took a Martha Stewart recipe, it will work. If you open a Jamie Oliver recipe, it won't work. I agree. Martha is 110%. She's a, she's what I call in the business world, no shortcut woman. Like she does everything 110%. And she knows what she's doing. And she, she knows what she's going to do next week. That's, that would be, she's, she's like a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then when she did the Snoop Dogg thing, was not surprised at all. Was not surprised was at cool. all she did that didn't you know I didn't see it coming but when I saw that I think oh yeah 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 Martha did that left her husband 
went to jail. <laughs> She's <laughs> great. Yeah. She like evaded taxes. Oh man, that's great. Now there's people in my life I know that are just like her. Like I have great like but when I want to see them I just go see them. Well not right now. I, I really miss my friend in Ottawa who's kind of like my Martha Stewart. She's my friend and I miss my friend and another chef friend in Canmore, Alberta. Mm. But I think if I could see someone and collaborate with them professionally, it would be Martha. That would be really cool. So that's funny you say yeah. that about Martha because my husband's nickname is Martha. On Why? a first, you know, well, because he he's an amateur oh. chef mm-hmm. at home. Well, there you go. And he and he does my Christmas uh, baskets at at Christmas. Oh. He does all my pots. Yeah. And he just, uh, he does our charcuterie boards and so, like, it's crazy. So he has, he's a little bit multi-talented, but it's so funny. So they, our friends have uh, nicknamed him Martha. So it's kind of funny. So. Well, she's, she's an icon. He, and I mean, and I think that's why people have made fun of her. Just like, you know, she's, she's no longer human. She's so pop cultured, but I think deep down, like, I think if you hung out with her, I think, you know, another person would be and she's dead now but is julia child i think even though they're very showy and everything i think they have a lot i think they'd be fun to hang out with i think they would be too yeah sit on a plane with or something but a collaboration like do a cookbook with her or something (laughs) she wouldn't want to do that with me but (laughs) oh but she doesn't know you so you never know so maybe she would put it out to the universe lisa yeah but yeah, and she had a great mother. She had a great mother. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this que- next question might already be answered, but you may have a different version. So um, what's the biggest problem you see in the world and what would be the solution? Yeah, well, the solution's the hard part. You know, as a owner of a business that has had 24 staff with COVID, I had to let a lot of them go, but they're coming back. I always say to them, there's a solution to every problem. Like before you come to me with a problem, think about it. Like, could you fix that? Just think about it before you come to me with a problem. Because sometimes it's just a stupid question. But I mean, in terms of the world as a worldview, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, a lot of people don't have. I'm unfortunately one of those people that listens to the news and reads the news all the time. So I do have them. Um, I think, I think our biggest issue is uh, money combined with power. Um, So, so, so that power and how it gets a person to a certain or a group or, or, or a, like, so a group of people or a country or a force when that power is so high, usually fueled by money and they forget about humanity, that's the problem. Now, what is the solution? Well, we take away the money. And that's impossible, right? Like, I'm making money, and I'm constantly trying to figure out how not to make too much so I don't have to pay a lot of taxes, you know, like the balance. And I'm also enjoying power. Mm -hmm. I understand what power is. I have people that, you know, I ask them to do things, and they do it. If they don't, then I have to sit down with them and be an HR person. So I understand all that, but I think if we lose sight, and this is the solution, if we lose sight of humanity, then that power, which is, again, fueled by making money, by money, 
um, becomes ugly. So a solution, which seems quite simple, is to understand and empathize. But it's hard. It is hard. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I think going through COVID has humbled a lot of people, too. Yeah. To a degree. Or woken you up. It's woke us up, right? It has very much so done that. And we needed something like this. Yeah. I didn't, I don't wish it on people. I don't, No. but no. people need yeah. to wake up and realize there is a human element here and we need to be more human yeah. than not. But some, yeah. But it, we've also seen really ugly parts of people like more. It's, it has yeah. it, the, the ugliness. It has like, and, and shockingly, you know, shockingly, it has yeah. brought an ugliness where I never thought I would see. No, I know. Ugliness. Absolutely. Which and is it's how we deal with it, how you deal with it, mm-hmm. like how we process it, you know, because it can keep us up at night and that's not good. That's not good. No, it's not. It's, uh, no. it can, it can make you become ugly. Like I know I have to be very careful just to keep understanding where people are coming from mm-hmm. and then just understand them and then walk away. If it's just not working out, I fully walk away. Like emotionally, just stop. I agree. You have to not let that be toxic in your life. And I also think too, that, yeah, exactly. that there's a root cause. Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. always something underlying that's fueling that. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and and it most likely has nothing to do with the with what's going on. It's something yeah. else is dry. Is that is a driving factor? Yeah. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, the anger is coming from something. Yeah, and you have to yeah. get that root cause. Mm-hmm. Interesting times. Yeah. So, what's a difficult conversation that you are afraid of, personally or professionally? Professionally, I'm, you know what, I'm okay. Like, if I don't understand something or I have to be better at it, I, I just try to find a better way or phone somebody. You know, I, ha- I still have a couple of mentors. Well, I do have many mentors in my life. I have one in Ottawa who owns Time and Again Catering. Mm. Her name is Sheila. Uh, I worked for her for nine years. She's amazing. I'll just ask her a random question. She's got the right answer. And my girlfriend in Ottawa, who's a chef who has three restaurants, you know, or someone in town, like talking to Roland, he's really helpful. And, but when it comes to, if I'm lost about something and I don't, like, is that what you mean? Like, I just don't know how to find it. Yeah. Like if, if you don't have to say what it is, but if there yeah. is a, if there is a difficult conversation to have, yeah. would you have it with someone that's personal or professionally I, I do speak, you can have yeah. those conversations they're easier it's the more the personal ones and can you yeah yeah can you get those things out or do you bottle it up you know what I am bottling it up and I I think like we touched upon this before recording I um I do find so my mom died uh this well in three days it's going to be three years hmm um yeah 
yeah, uh, sorry, two years, because last year we took her ashes to Ireland and she died the year before. So yeah, three years. Um, and it, just some things have come up, maybe that I didn't finish with my mom. Um, and I know I could do it through other family members. Right. Um, I'm the only daughter and I've got the two brothers, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not putting them on the chopping block at all, but I almost feel like if I spoke with them more, I could get, I could get more reasoning as to how I feel about what I didn't get done with my mom. Um, I could do it with my dad. Now, mom and dad separated when I was 17 and that's a long time ago. Well, my dad knows my mom really well and, and, uh, he, he's been helpful. He's been helpful. Um, so those are things, so those are difficult. Yeah, those would be difficult, way more than the professional stuff, mm -hmm. where it's mainly about, you know, I'm not dealing with a staff member well, or I have this client, I, I'm not dealing with it well, can you help me? Or maybe a recipe or, you know, like difficult things that are, you get through them. There's a solution to every problem, but the emotional ones, a mother and a daughter emotional ones, because we didn't have the best relationship. Those are the ones, you know, I, the best person I've been talking to with that is my daughter. Ah. So Jade, and I'm going to say her name because that woman, she is the bomb. She's an amazing young woman. She has gotten me through all the triggers, all the messy stuff where if, if I'm not bawling, crying, and she can't understand what I'm saying, she gets me through them. Um, so it's difficult, but she, she's been helpful. She's been really helpful. I mean, every, lots of other people are, friends are helpful, but Jade completely gets me. We have a great relationship. I'm very fortunate, really fortunate. Mm, that's special. Right, yeah, she's an amazing kid. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Mm -hmm. And you already touched on this, but you've mentioned that. And the next question is, do you have a mentor or co coach? And we're never too old to have, or are you mentoring people? Yeah. So you, I, you said you had yeah. mentors already. Yeah, I've got great mentors. Uh, you know, yeah, Sheila in Ottawa, my friend Heather, and the people around town. And they're good friends. Uh, I don't know if I am mentoring anyone. I mean, we have a couple of staff members here that I hired from Fleming. I teach mm -hmm. part-time at Fleming as a culinary arts prof. Um, but I don't know if they look to me as mentors. Sometimes I think, uh, maybe they will someday. Kind of like the way I look at Heather and Sheila. Like when I worked for them, I was more like rolling my eyes. <laughs> like, oh my God, they're working me so hard. Or I didn't, you know, so Sheila is a caterer. She's, a, she's an amazing caterer. I learned a lot from her. And I remember the first time she showed me how to lay a linen on the table, the oh. way she wanted it. Right. And uh, I'll never forget it. Like, this is a long time ago. I think I was pregnant with Nathan, and Nathan's 25, 24. And she's like, okay, so I'm not sure if I'm very happy with what you just did here, so we're just going to redo it. And there was like 13 tables. It was linen for a wedding. And she was very calm. She's like, no problem, but I'm just going to show you the way I want it. And, you know, it, it was really, you know, at first I was defensive and taken aback because I thought I knew how to lay linen on the table. <laughs> so, but, so I do that to my staff now. So I don't think I'm mentoring them. They don't think I'm mentoring them, but 
because they're like, oh my gosh, you are honestly going to make me do this over again. But now over the years, I get people, like I got a message from one of my old staff who is now in, she works for Four Seasons Hotel in Toronto. Nice. And when she started with me, she was 15. So she basically worked under me and went to school and uh, she did culinary. Then she did, um, she went to uh, um, um, Guelph for, oh, I forget the program, but it basically for her to be into uh, the hotel management. And so she, I mentored her for sure. I would have to say, if you asked her, she'd say I was her big mentor. So yeah, I guess there are, because it's 15 years I've had Black Honey. So I've been, I've been doing it for a while. Well, you've probably mentored way more people than you have ever can imagine. And they will come out of the woodwork and tell you that. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've made too many enemies, considering I probably could have. <laughs> so I could have. I, I, I may have some that I just don't know about. So what's, tell me what's your, been your biggest accomplishment in business and personal life? I think the business is just getting through this, um, this COVID, this lockdown. Mm. Uh, you know, when 2009 came, the crash, like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. it was, it was bad. Like I was going to buy a building and expand yeah. And then I backed out, you know, like it was, you know, like, I think it was $50,000, Like it was like this big thing. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I always wonder what happened to Like what I should have done it, you know, but that crash was big. Like yeah, Japan. It was big. Yeah. So it's like, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. So I continued running the coffee house. And then this building that I'm sitting in now, the bakery, I opened this. So this is 10 years old. The coffee house is 15. So it's, it's the same business, but two different buildings. Two different buildings. That, was, that was a risk. That was even bigger than opening up the coffee house, uh, the overhead cost. And it was just, it was a couple of years after the big crash. So that recovering from that was bad, but I did it. And I thought, okay, that was the worst. And Mark got sick and, you know, I just, I wasn't running the business very well. The staff were, but you know, I was not around. I got through that. But when this lockdown happened, honest to goodness, Jane, I, I have never cried like business tears, flooding tears more in my life than these last three months. And I'm not saying like I'm hiding in my bed. I mean, the tears where get up Dixon, go, go back and get, do another day. Like we got to get this done. And then a week would happen, a very bad thing happened to my daughter and her life partner. A, 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 they're getting through it, but it was really treacherous. And I couldn't see them. That we, you know, we, weren't, we weren't in their bubble and they had to be in another people's bubble because it happened in his life. I just, I remember that week, I was like, I'm leaving this business. I have to be with my daughter. I can't work anymore. I'm exhausted. What am I doing? Like, there's no money. The money's gone. You know, we're not, like we were running a mini business in the bakery, but I was paying bills for two locations and, you know, it was just, everyone's in the same thing, in the same boat. So I'm not saying something nobody else knows about, but I just kept going and going. And now I reopened Black Honey as of today. The bakery is, has been here and brought back 40% of the staff. And it's like, okay, 
I think we can do this. It's going to, it's recovery will take a couple of years, but I think I can do this and come out of it with like black honey successful, but with, with the numbers on the page looking somewhat okay. You yeah. know, I took the loan from the government and the wage decrease. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just moved some numbers around. I took a lot of money out of my mom, like what my mom, you know, when she died, the, the estate, like money that's mine, but I didn't really want to put into the business. I, I was creative. I have been creative. That's the big, biggest thing, the biggest success. Anyone who can say they can came, came out of this, that's a good success. That is a great success because yeah. it's not easy. No, I mean, I don't, I don't blame anyone from walking away. No. Because it's very frightening and it's exhausting. Like, and again, I know everyone's going through this, so I'm not saying anything new, but, and then trying to convince the staff, like, we can do this. This is going to be great. <laughs> they just want a job, you know? So yeah, this has probably been the biggest one to, to keep me going um, and to convince other people that it's going to work out. <laughs> Well, you want to support local and you do, you have a great oh, product. Yeah. 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 The product's been just as good as ever. You know what? Like the staff are amazing. The, the bakers are pumping out amazing food. Our new menu is looking really good. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And then in terms of personal, you know, I think Mark and I being together for 30 years. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a feat in itself. You know, being together. my parents, my parents didn't do it. Mark's parents didn't do it. Uh, I don't know. Like, and we've had tests. We've had the tests, many tests. You have um, you ever. And uh, I'm not sure, because I can be a real pain in the ass. So it's not me. <laughs> I think it's him. He's been very good to me. And he's put up with me. And he's, <laughs> he, he ha he's never said, he made it through cancer because of me. He's never said that, but I think so. He <laughs> says it was the beach. He loves the beach at the cottage. Like that's, that's his funny. zen. That's his, mm -hmm. he said he kept picturing the beach. He didn't picture me naked laying on the bed <laughs> or, yeah, I, I don't think I was on the beach, but, but yeah, it was me and the kids for sure. But yeah, I think, I think it's, that would be my personal <laughs> big hurdle is getting through 30 years. Oh dear. It's been really good. The trials and tribulations of, of a long-term marriage. And if you can get to 30 years, you're doing really, yeah. really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Oh yeah. It's been great. Last three months have been great because we have nothing else to do but hang out with each other. I know. Oh. We've actually, it's become a little bit comedy central around here too. Yeah. Just see that you're going to grow together you're going to grow apart we were more together i think right now and it's yeah. it's yeah. been funny and todd makes me laugh and oh, that's pretty amazing hilarious. pretty hilarious well we i think we both make each other laugh but you just i think that's our way of coping with this whole thing right now but it hasn't been a huge pivot for us because our heart came back when i was sick so yeah we adjusted then Lisa, tell us a little bit about your journey and your, and your growing up. What made you want to, you grew up in a biracial family. You mm -hmm. are now a chef and own this fabulously successful business. Um, tell us a little bit about, about that and your career pivots, especially right now with, well, 
you just did tell us about COVID. So yeah. how, how you've yeah. dealt with that, but tell us a little bit about your, your upbringing and how, because mm-hmm. you know how there's so much unrest right now with um, mm-hmm. BLM right now. Well, my, my upbringing was really special. And um, I, I had a really fortunate life. My dad ran, but my dad is an Anglican minister and he ran a children's camp most of my life. So besides having the cottage, once we were old enough, we would go up to the camp with my dad. Mm. So my parents, um, the cottage was a respite, quiet place. And then the camp was where uh, we, dad had 200 kids every week and ran the staff. So I learned a lot of leadership through my parents. My mom is a therapist or, and was, sorry, a marriage counseling therapist. And um, uh, so there are people, people, there are people, people. And uh, when the kids came up, my dad was ready for them. And so were the staff. He, mm. those two weeks before the kids started coming up was a training session. And I learned a lot about, you know, you don't just paint the cabins. You, you've, you mentally and emotionally get ready to help those kids have a good week. Mm. Um, and, and it was a beautiful camp, gorgeous, on Lake Huron. So that was a great upbringing. And then, of course, being in the church is pretty special. Um, my dad's a liberal theologist, so it's kind of like a lot of singing, plays the guitar. And you, everything's through a parable. So it's not, Jesus said this, you must be like Jesus. It was more he would tell a story uh, in very kind of that Martin Luther King driven Mm. um, where you see a light at the end of the tunnel and it always begins with you. You know, it doesn't, Uh. you know, and it it, it really worked. Dad's teachings are amazing. And having two brothers being a big sister was always a dream. They were great to grow up with. Um, And living in different cities helped because we always had an object of concept of people. Mm-hmm. Everyone was different, and we were ready for that. We nothing surprised us. Nothing. Living in Detroit during the seventies, the best Black Power movement. Our church was on Rosa Parks Ave. Oh, uh, wow. so, yeah, and like we just thought all the churches saying like we did, you know. And when Dad would say something and somebody liked it, they would go, "Hey, man," you know. Like, so when we moved to London, it's like, why is everyone so quiet? So it, it, you know, but we weren't surprised. Okay. In London, you're quiet when you go to church and you sing holding a book, like the book and read the words where like in some churches, you just sing, you just like lay your head back and sing, right. You don't follow words because everyone knew the words, right? Like music is life and worship. Right. So those are good things. A lot of music in my life. Mm. Um, not a lot of television, you know, um, a lot of outside because we camped. Everything was camp, camp, camp. Like I was canoeing at the age of five. Um, I was jumping off cliffs, um, sleeping in the woods. I could light a fire. Sunsets. I thought everyone watched the sunset at night. I thought everyone before you went to bed looked at the sunset. Mm. It wasn't until, you know, I started going to high school and realized, okay, some people don't even go to camp. Like what a horrible life. Anyway, so those were good times. And then I went to university and that's where I met. I met Mark before university, but we, we re-hooked up in university and dated there. And our first child was when I was still studying. Oh, wow. I, um, I did, I was only in fourth year of university and I did seven years at university. So by the time I had my third, I was still in university. 
Wow. And then I, then I did chef work um, and loved, loved cooking. So I just went right into chef work and I never did anything to do with my university studies. Not really. And then, um, that happens yeah, a lot. I, that happens yeah. a lot. People go to school and they'd end up not doing. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And, you know, I thought everyone had to go to university. So I went and I liked Ottawa. So I went to Ottawa U and mm-hmm. I could speak French. So I, I studied in French and university was great. I, I got to travel. I studied archaeology. Like I was a classical studies, art history, archaeology. So I, I did a lot, a lot of archaeological digs in Europe and it was great. And, you know, when I fell in love with Mark at an early age, we had Jade when I was 22. So knowing how to study and have kids and go to work, because I would work nights, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I went to chef school while I had kids. I was in Cordon Bleu when I was pregnant with Ray, my second. Um, Yeah, so those are, that was a really good upbringing. And it really made me obviously who I am today very understanding and objective of other people, very patient. We used to, we drive a lot. We drove everywhere. My dad loves driving. So we would drive to Florida. We'd nice. drive, we'd drive to New Orleans, Texas. He loves the States. And um, that's when we learned about racism, not the years we lived in Detroit. We knew racism existed, but it was more technical or, or almost plebeian. In, like in Detroit, there's a lot of separations. There's a black neighborhood and a white neighborhood. I went to a black school. So the kids were black and the teachers were black, but we lived in a white neighborhood, you know, mm. and it was just, okay, that's, I understand. You don't see that a lot in Canada. Um, it's more subtle. Um, but when you go deeper into the South, racism is ugly. So we learned about that. We learned why dad was a person of love and peace, which I think, especially when we were little, we were a little bit upset about because we knew we, he was strong. We thought maybe he could punch people, <laughs> like punch that guy with the cowboy hat. <laughs> you know, the guy that hops out of his pickup truck, just kick him, dad. No, no, no. So yeah, dad taught me a lot about love and peace and, and uh, so I still use that today. Um, and dad, if you ever met him, poor guy, he must be, a I haven't been able to see him since COVID. He lives in Regina. He hugs, he doesn't shake your hand. He hugs you. Mm. I don't know what he's doing right now because you cannot hug any. You cannot hug any. So he comes, usually by this time of year, he stays with us for two months and he, we take him to the cottage. His mobility is a bit off. He can't drive anymore. Aww. So we would, we, he would stay with us, fly here and say goodbye to his wife. He doesn't seem to miss her for those two months. And um, he would hug all my staff every morning. He would mm-hmm. come to Black Honey and hug it. And then they knew he wanted a coffee. And then at 1130, quarter to 12, he would have a soup and a sandwich. And he would hug everyone when he left. Uh, he, he just, that's all he does is hug. So, he, uh, and some people hesitate, you know, because they freeze. <laughs> guy coming up to him uh, and he moves slower so you see him coming slow motion like all right Jane come over here and then he would warn you about how I'm evil and like tease you know it's like if she gives you any trouble you let me know (laughs) so yeah yeah he's a great guy so that's that's my life 
It's a great life. My brothers are amazing. They live near, one lives near me, one lives far, but they're, they've, they've led a great life. You know, they, because of my parents, we, we're all very fortunate for sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good that you had that upbringing that you did, but coming mm-hmm. from a biracial family, but it's just because I think because where we live there, mm. we just don't have that racism and no. to deal with. And so for me, I'm totally blinded by it. And to me, mm. I just thought, you know, I'm colorblind, but you know, I, I, that's an ignorance as well. When you, when you look at other people that are suffering with this and I just had no idea. So, you know, it's a, it's an education for sure. And yeah, it's interesting though that you use the word suffering because so like if my dad was given a derogatory or racial slur towards him or even myself or my brothers mm-hmm. when we were a young family and there's my white mother, um, we were usually told we couldn't eat somewhere or go or buy a car or do something because we were biracial. That's usually what we were told or explained. And sometimes they were really polite about it. The suffering is through anger or hurt. That's the suffering. But if you can digest it and push it back out as understanding and love is, and that was what dad would help us with and mom, right? Because like, if you can imagine when they started dating, at Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. No, there was no biracial dating, none whatsoever. But they were very calm. They didn't, any hate they got, they, they, it's not that they laughed it off or dismissed it. They processed it with a positive attitude. So the suffering could be ugly. Like dad could have been really angry and punched people, which is of course, you know, because you watch Spider-Man, you think all superheroes do. But he didn't. And I think, you know, I'm still learning from him. Like, my dad is very athletic. And when we would, he taught us how to play basketball and track and field and stuff. And we would go for a lot of jogs, usually in the morning or the evening. And I remember he would wait for us. And he'd always make sure one of us was jogging with him. You know, I just figured it out. He wasn't getting us to jog with him because he wanted us to. He didn't want to jog in London, Ontario alone yeah interesting and you know he could have he could have said that he could have said no lisa you're jogging with me come on because i can't jog alone have you looked i'm a black man and and he could have said it with anger or but he 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 did it he was very patient he is very patient Mm -hmm. with the world you know if someone i remember i said to him because he grew up out east st john new brunswick so dad when you were little did you learn how to fiddle (laughs) <laughs> he's like he's like he just was laughing it's like what's so funny he's like honey black people don't fit <laughs> i was like oh oh well, like you don't like did you need <laughs> he's like no honey no no black kids did not fiddle out on the water with the boats going by and That's it was the first time fun. he was like he was sarcastic and it was hurtful because i remember like you know being like it's like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I, I just assumed, you know, but I did realize, oh, yeah, like, have you ever seen, like, <laughs> Ashley McIsaac and another black guy fiddling? No. Oh, he laughed so hard at me. Like, I'm glad I entertained him. That's but too he, funny. He, he has laughter. He has great laughter. And he had a great family. He had 12 brothers and sisters. And 
Oh my goodness. But no, but no one knew how to fiddle. <laughs> that is that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. You had, so, it sounds like you had an amazing upbringing. Yeah. No, it was good. I'm very fortunate. You know, I think that's why I don't have a bucket list because I just feel like I just have had so much great joy in my life. I don't. You're just I, rolling I, with I, it. I'll be fine if it all ends tomorrow. I don't want it to end tomorrow, but I'll be okay. I don't want it to end tomorrow, but I'm happy. I'm, I'm content. Mm -hmm. No bucket list. So what advice would you give your 20-year-old self now? Well, I, so when I was 20, I was like writing for the feminist newspaper mm -hmm. at the university. <laughs> I didn't have any kids. And I had these ideal thoughts, like when I have children, they won't go to McDonald's and they won't play hockey because hockey is a misogynist sport and, you know, like mm -hmm. whatever. So I probably would have said, slow down. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's all going to be okay. Uh, your standards, they're a little too high. Relax. Um, you know, it took me a while. I figured it out, but it, it took too long for me to figure it out. And I probably would have said, you know, I really really love you I totally think you're amazing because that I didn't figure out till maybe about 10 years ago like I personal self-love mm -hmm. because I just drove myself to a standard you know until maybe my late 20s early 30s now I did open black honey in my mid-30s so perhaps that helped but uh, I, I'm just learning now in the last 10 12 years especially after Mark became well, that, uh, and, you know, trying to help my son who has schizophrenia, like it's just, the standards just have to go out the window and you just have to love the moment and be still and love yourself. That would be what I would tell me to at 20 years old. Yeah. No, it's, that's really good. And that's important because I think that's what, as we grow older, that's what we realize is that we have to give ourselves mm -hmm. grace and to slow down is so slow down. slow down. You have the rest of your life. Like you've got time yeah. to do things and you can start things later on in life. Yes. Lots of women that yeah. have started things later on in life and they're just rocking it. Yeah. There's a lot of push though, right? Oh, before mm -hmm. I'm this age, I'm going to do this or mm -hmm. it, no, it's not. And actually ageism got in the way. I think, ageism exists existed maybe more when we were younger like well old means we're that's it we're done yeah and what is old like people will say well that older lady over there like like one of my staff will say that oh no it's the older lady over there it's like the woman who's 50 like me mm -hmm. don't please don't use that word and i'm going to tell no. you right now she has a white shirt on so well let's just call her that okay Cause that's not like what, cause I know what old is to you and you just, I want you to stop. <laughs> it's just, it's just not fair. I hear you. I totally hear you. I remember being 20 thinking 40 was old. Oh, what the heck is that all about? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, the menopause thing kind of pisses me off, <laughs> but other than that, I'm okay. Like, I don't think that's fair. And I think, I would, if there was a drug to take, I know there's medication and all like, or hysterectomy, but if there was, that's just not fair. That is unfair that we go through menopause. 
Mm -hmm. unfair after all the things I did to have children and then I'm going through like this is just then I won't tell you that mine was really uneventful (laughs) eight years Jane Um, this is the eighth year it's gotten a bit better uh I'm looking at certain things I eat and not eat but there was a while there I was on medication just to I can't imagine that yeah literally Chemo put me into menopause and I, other than coming out with my stomach expanded, coming out of the hospital after that. um, Yeah. I just, but my mother was fairly uneventful too. So I think you kind if your mother was had. Well, my, my mom's was in, she had hers in under a year. Wow. throwing pots and pans around and yelling and heat flashes. And I thought, Oh gosh, is this going to, how long is this going to last? And then it ended. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Very, very quickly. So grateful for that, but I don't wish yeah. that upon I'm, I'm, I'm no, it's just for an ending for you. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. But yeah, no, I, I like, I think, yeah, 40 and 50 has been good for sure. It's been great. Oh, that's good. So let's end with what do you want your legacy to be? I think that's a tough one because, like, I, I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about time and what it's done to me, I've it's fifteen years. So my prime has been running a business. So let's say I don't have Black Honey a year or two years from now, which in a way kind of makes sense. It'd be nice to sell it, and you know, maybe some young idiot wants to buy it. <laughs> What, then, you know, can I create another legacy? I mean, I'd like to teach more. I really enjoy teaching at Fleming. But what, you know. You have so much wisdom to pass on. So, but that's not really a legacy. I mean, it'd be great. Thank you. But it'd be great to do more in a teaching environment, like the mm-hmm. gardening. Like what mm-hmm. I learned at Cordon Bleu, I'd like to do that more. Um, so, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, maybe write a book and then maybe that can be a legacy. Wouldn't it be, it'd be nice to be Margaret Atwood for a couple of years and kick off a couple of nice books. But I don't think I really have a legacy. I don't, I don't feel it. I feel like I'm... Um, You're creating it as you go. Creating it as you go. And maybe I've, I did a couple of good things in the past, you know, with the community. But uh, now I'm, I'm actually, you know, the be still thing that they're saying, I'm doing that more. I'm trying to tone mm-hmm. it down a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we couldn't do the fundraisers that you and I are really a part of. They, they're not happening. Not happening. But, you know, but I did learn that, okay, I kind of overdid it with the, the events in the community. And I'm, I am glad I could tone that down and stop, stop it because I did find it was getting overwhelming um so yeah maybe i have little mini things that have happened like i the stuff i do at fourth line i find has been helpful um i was with uh for over five years with um the a really cool local organization that used to be called uh peterborough new dance but now it's called public energy Mm. um I did a couple good things with those guys and I'm on a board, but I had to step off uh, because it, I found the last three months hard with the CCRC. So those are little things, but nothing profound. Like definitely being a part of it's been great though. Well, you certainly have 
contributed to our community in a huge way. And I know that people appreciate what you have done for our community. You just, you blew me away at uh, Campfires and Cocktails, really. You've just, your energy that you've brought to the table and, and then you, you do jukebox mania and it's like, wow. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Yeah. And then we found out you had 22 employees and we looked around the, all looked at around the table and we said, what? So that's, that's maybe that, maybe that's it because yeah, that is a lot. That is getting to know my staff, understanding them (laughs) and being fair, but also Mm -hmm. being very clear of my expectations. The 110% I do believe in. And, you know, not all the staff come from safe places or safe, you know, learning how to communicate, learning how to be, uh, maybe leave your issues at the door, but also Mm -hmm. explain what your issues are when there's a time to to do it. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one. Um, So we don't sell alcohol. So a lot of my staff are hired young uh, or I get them from Fleming. So they come still without the best, you know, they, they still need to be parented a bit. Right. So I have to do a lot of that, but I've watched them grow up. I've seen, you know, as I said, with the one Sophia, who uh, is now working at the Four Seasons, like she's amazing. And yeah. you hear more of that too, as years go on. As years go on. Yeah. You're yeah. going to hear more and more that you were a bright light in their life and it will yeah, feel that's, It'll definitely feel good. It does feel good. I do love that part. It is the most difficult part too. The HR. It's not. It's not totally fun. fun. No. 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 And that's why I made this office and it has a door. When I built the bakery, I knew that's the first thing, besides having a bakery and a laundry room, was having an office with a door. Not so I'm firing people, but if you need anything and it needs to be one on one and a safe place, I am there for you. Mm. Um, and I will listen and we will get through it because I've had staff come to me with really bad stuff and, and, and I've had to call or find resources to help, or maybe I, I can help. So the door has helped closing that door. I mean, other than I'm close the door to talk to you, but other than that, it's to help, help somebody. That's, that's really awesome that you're, you're that kind of person and you've got so many different, you're multifaceted that you can do those different things for your employees and the community. And I so appreciate you sharing, you shared so much today that I know so many people are going to learn from it. And thanks so much. You are very welcome. Thank you. It was a great talk. I learned, I learned a lot about myself. (laughs) Just talking. Like, oh, my light bulb went off and, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Mark didn't make it through because of me. <laughs> He'll say he did. But no, it was definitely the beach at our cottage. <laughs> what an epiphany. Very uh, well. Like very cheers well. to 30 years and cheers to good health. And, you know, yeah. business is going to carry on. And so where can people find you on Instagram and and well, Black so- Honey? The black, the black honey website is very bare. I bared it down so I could just get people to come back to black honey coffee house. It's blackhoneycafe.ca. It shows the menu. 
and a, a phone number. That's about it. But you can, uh, I've already had people, I just put it up a week ago. I've already had people contact me for weddings for next year or little catering. So it's great. And then I have a couple of handles. I have Black Honey Cake with the Instagram and BH Coffee Girls, which is another Instagram. Um, and that is actually used a lot. So, or you can just come into my office and say hello to me. <laughs> I'm going to be hosting Black Honey Coffee House with my face mask and my face shield probably for the next couple of weeks so I can get a feel as to how people are about following the rules, the protocols, and keeping my staff safe and myself. Mm -hmm. Because if you think of it, if one of us gets sick that works at the coffee house, we'll have to close down. Exactly. So... And it's more than that. Let's just all be safe. So I'm going to do that and uh, back away from my office work a bit and anything else I have to do. So that's where you can find me. That's great. Leading by yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The mask for sure. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was great talking to you and I'll, I'll see you around soon. All right. Thank Thanks. you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Mentors and Mavens, Up Close and Personal. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you feel this was of value to you and would like to share, please take a moment and leave a five-star review. I will be grateful for this. And until the next episode, we rise by lifting others up.